0: 73 years old like i don't need a 73 year old teaching me about tiktok i need a 22 year old teaching me about tiktok
1: Gig Boss Podcast, where musicians go to learn how to navigate the new music economy. My name's Adam Meckler, and it's my mission to get you the tools to have a thriving career in music. And to that end, today we've got Ari Hurstand on the show. Ari is the author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, and today I really get in the nitty gritty with him. I ask him how artists can make an impact in a scene where sixty thousand people are uploading tracks to Spotify every day, and he lays a whole bunch of truth bombs on us about the industry, about the way artists are making careers today and it's really fascinating his perspective as an artist himself and as somebody who's now developed an online school meant to help other artists navigate this new music business can you tell me how you developed ari's take academy it started as a blog right
0: Yeah, I started as a touring singer-songwriter. I started in Minnesota. I had went to a music school that is now defunct. For those of you that go back to McNally Smith College of Music, I was a music business songwriting major there. I studied trumpet as well under Dave Jensen. Famously, I played with Prince and the Hornheads for many years. And then as soon as I got out of school, I realized very quickly that I was, everything that I was taught at that school on the business side was instantly outdated the moment I left school. I realized that I had gotten a great history on how the music business used to function, but was no longer relevant in 2005 when I finished. And we're talking, this is, iTunes is around. Facebook is still just in colleges and schools. Myspace is on the rise Um, just before YouTube, all of this. So I'm like, I'm seeing kind of these new technologies form and everything is virtually different because in music school, what I was taught was, if you want to be a successful musician, if you want to be an artist, you have to get a record deal. And mm-hmm. this is what they taught me. And this is what all the music business books, the Passman, all these books out there said, they're basically just like chapter one, get a record deal. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wait, how, yeah. how do you get this record deal? No one taught, like I took so many classes there. Like we had a whole class of a semester on negotiating a major label record contract. And I'm like, sweet. I now I know when I get this major label record deal to remove the controlled composition clause on page 74. I know all about that now. Cool. But never did they were they like, Oh, here's how to get a record deal. They're just like, Oh, we don't know. But just you can't really be a musician unless you have a record deal. So I'm like, well, this is fucked up. No. I was like, all right, I have two options now. I can sit around twiddling my thumbs waiting for this elusive record contract to just magically appear in my lap because nobody was saying how to get one or I can just do what I like to do, and that is play music and just figure it out. And so I chose the latter, and I started performing, booking shows. I was learning a shit ton. It was basically like I book a show, no one would show up, and be like, "Huh, why didn't anybody come to this show?" And I was like, "Well, I guess I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't really promote it. I didn't do anything." And it's like, "Oh, first lesson learned: if I want people to show up to my shows, I have to promote." Yeah, and that was like big first lesson. And fast forward years later, I'm headlining and selling out venues in a five-state region around the Midwest. I'm touring nationally. I'm doing this all independently. I got songs placed on TV shows. I'm charting on iTunes, like having a a real music career. It was a music career that was happening. I was making a living and no manager, no booking agent, no record deal, no record label, nothing. I was basically doing this all on my own and word spread and was like, yo, how are you, people, musicians were just asking me like, how are you doing this? How'd you get your song on TV show last night? How did you sell out the varsity theater? How are you booking these shows and how are you making money? How are you doing all this? Yep. And I would respond to everybody and eventually word spread. If you got questions about the music business, go ask Ari. I didn't ever, I didn't have time to get back to everybody. So basically I just started a blog. I just put everything, all these questions I was getting up, all the answers onto this blog. I called yep. it Ari's take. And then as I was running my music career, anytime I'd learn something or I got screwed over by a club last night, I'd write about it or a promoter or a publicist or whatever. And I would just write about it. And then the blog took off. It got spread around the indie music community because there really wasn't anything out there like it. It was like the only advice for musicians at the time at this, and this is 2012, this is 10 years ago, was like, like help articles written by companies looking to gain customers, not like working musicians that were in the trenches, like figuring it out. Like I didn't claim to have all the answers or any of the answers. I'm just like, this is what I learned from my experiences. Maybe this will help. And then it started to, then I started to get hit up by other publications, digital music news and American songwriter and other of these asking me to write for them. And then that gave me access to talk to anyone in the music industry I wanted. And it was essentially like, before I was just some musician with a blog, no one would sit down with me. I couldn't get the execs or anyone at anything to really talk to me. But now I was already at Digital Music News and everyone would sit down with me and so i was asked i was sitting down with managers and labels and spotify and apple and like music supervisors sync agents booking agents like everyone in the industry i always wanted to talk to and ask them the questions that all musicians have but we don't have the access Mm -hmm. i would get to sit down with these people and ask them these questions and then people like came to me musicians were like yo i've read all your articles super helpful appreciate it i need something to connect the dots how yeah. do I like structure this career? How do I structure music career? What books should I read? Now, I'd read all the books. None of them were talking about the new music business. None of them were talking about how it was actually happening. The stories that I was hearing when I was talking to other musicians and managers and agents and even indie labels and Spotify and every, no one was telling those stories. Billboard wasn't writing about those stories. Rolling Stone, there were no books writing about what was happening right then, right now. Yeah. And so I was like, shit, I feel like I have to write this book. So- got this book deal, wrote the book, book came out, started to get adopted widespread. It's being taught in a bunch of schools and everything. And then musicians came to me again. They're like, read the book, dig the book, but I want, I need more hands-on guidance. You know, what, like, I'm they'll come to me like, Hey, I just graduated from four year university. I'm $200,000 in debt, but I don't know. My song's taken off on Spotify and I don't know how to get my royalties. I was like, are you fucking kidding me? What did you spend your money on? What did they teach you at school? And then I was getting enraged because then I was like, wait a minute, you are $200,000 in debt with a degree at a major prestigious university with a degree in music business, and they didn't teach you how to collect your royalties. That is criminal. Yeah. That is criminal to me. So I'm like, that's insane. So that brings us to Ari Steak Academy. i was just like, fuck it. If these universities are failing, all these students are around the world, or especially around the country, like, I know I can do it better. And so initially you just started with one course and it was just like, it wasn't even the intention necessarily, It wasn't like, oh, all the universities are failing people. I'm going to change it. It was started as uh, these musicians need hands-on guidance. I can't do one-to-one. I only have a limited amount of time. I've done a bit of consulting, but I just, I don't have the time for it. So it's like after speaking with hundreds and hundreds of musicians doing the consulting, just from readers and doing all this, I realized the disconnect at what the universities were teaching, what the books were attempting to teach and why it wasn't breaking through. And so now fast forward to where we are now in mid 2022, we mm-hmm. have six courses, for Ari's take Academy. And these are taught by not just, I'm not just teaching. I taught the first one, but now I bring in experts in the industry. So, you know, we are sync licensing courses taught by arguably the most successful artist in sync. He has over 1500 syncs of just his own music started, launched a sync agency, actually the Milwaukee bucks and the Tampa Bay lightning used his song for their entire seasons. Wow, uh, his name is vo williams there's no one better in sync to teach this course it's not like a university that like this dude is teaching social media and he was james brown's trumpet player from 40 fucking years ago which is a true <laughs> story by the way i'm not going to call out who it is and like what university does but i swear to god yeah. that is the kind of instructors that a lot of in, in universities are employing them it's like that's cool that you played with james brown major props i want to hear those stories i don't need you teaching me about tiktok
1: right i'm right. sorry
0: you're 73 years old like There's not much that you're like, I don't need a 73-year-old teaching me about TikTok. I need a 22-year-old teaching me about TikTok. And so then when we launched our TikTok course, I got the people that actually the major labels hire to run the TikTok campaigns for their artists. Because I was like, who is the literally, what I do now for this school is like, who are the best people in the industry that know this? And who are the ones that everyone is looking to in the industry to do this? And who are doing it the best? And we structures it's not like a school where the universities are where they're like you don't have to teach a full semester nobody's got the time so like i've structured yeah. in a way where i'll tell them like just give me four days of your life two of these days and we can break them up two of the days we'll brainstorm and then two days we'll film i and me and my team we structure the curriculums and the lesson plans i'm in there directing them and then they then we put this course together and now we have 5,000 students. We have hundreds and hundreds of like people that are that are getting representation and sign and sending testimonials. And because like we do the other thing that no one else is doing, get them representation. Like back when I was in school, they're like, oh, you got to get a record deal, but we're not going to tell you how. Now we're, you got to get a sync agent. You want to get your music synced in TV shows and stuff. But guess what? We're going to tell you how to do that. And we're going to actually put you in touch because I know all the sync agents. Yep. I'm going to actually enable you to showcase for all of them. And so it's like, that brings us to where we are now, where it's just like, I think I know we can do this better. And I know that this is the future of music education.
1: Very cool, man. So how did your original book deal happen? I'm curious. I just want to yeah. pick on a few things that you talked about, like your original book deal. You said you got a book deal. Mm-hmm. Go to publishers and say, hey, I'm a writer. I've got all this experience with these various different digital music companies and my own blog and I want to write a book. Is that kind of how it happened?
0: True story. I, I bought the complete idiot's guide to book publishing and I literally, they're like, if you want a book deal and you don't want to self publish. And I knew I didn't want to self publish, which is ironic as like the guy of DIY musician, dude, who self does everything. I'm just like, I want my book. I had two goals for this book. I'm like, I want my book adopted in universities and being taught in schools. Mm. And I want my book in Barnes and Noble. And I can't do that being self-published. I want my book in major bookstores and I want it widespread. Like I want people to look at, this is the book now. Fuck Passman. He's a good guy. He's a great lawyer. But his book came out 30 fucking years ago. The industry has changed. I'm sorry, if you're still reading Donald Passman's book and you don't have a record deal literally sitting in your hands right now, you're not ready for that book. And then it's a great book. I have two editions of that book and it's fine, but come on, man. It's just completely out of touch with what working musicians are going through. So that was the guy basically told me, you got to get a book agent. Here's how to get a book agent. So I was like, all right, I got to write a book proposal. Contrary to what a lot of people believe, you don't actually write the book. If you're writing a nonfiction book, like a how-to book, you don't write the book before you get the deal. So what you do write is you write a query letter. Hmm. which is basically the letter to an agent or a book publisher summarizing your book proposal. And your book proposal is like a 25, 30 page document that summarizes the book, which you haven't written yet. We're not really summarizes, but basically is like the proposal of what you're planning to write if you get the funding from a book publisher to write it. It's like the table of contents, a sample chapter, a summary, and also your marketing plan. And who are you? Like, why do you, why are you the person that should write the book? And I basically right. had to like sell myself as like, here's who I am. Here's my audience. Here's the marketing. Here's why I think I'm the person to write this book. I, I, I basically, I went and speaking of Donald Passman's book in this, in the Complete Idiots Guide, they're like, if you want to get a book agent, just open your competitors' books, read their acknowledgments, <laughs> yep. and just start Googling their acknowledgments. One of them is their book agent. I was like, oh, okay. So I did that. <laughs> I opened Passman's book and I was like, all right, who are these people? I found this dude and I email him and it turns out he wasn't actually Passman's agent. He had happened to be Passman's first editor at a publishing company, but now he's a book agent. And I found him like, oh, he's a book agent. Cool. I mean, I'm like, yo, I'm hitting you up because you're so familiar with Passman's book. Here's what I'm looking to do. I'm looking to be the new Passman here. With this book, it needs an update. And, uh, And so then we just basically, he's like, yeah, cool. Let's meet. We had a meeting in New York. And then he went and shopped it essentially at Book Publishers and we got Norton, Live Right Publishing Under Norton to publish it.
1: Awesome. And now they're coming back to you asking for more editions. Are you going to them with more editions?
0: Yeah, it's I'm in the final editing stages after right after this call. I'm gonna actually dip back in because I'm like on deadline for these like final edits. The third edition's coming out January, 2023. It's a very long process. Every time I turn in a first draft of the book of each edition, and then it takes about a year to hit the shelves because it goes through so many rounds of edits and legal reads and all that stuff. And then art and printing, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, we're in the third edition or coming out and the model is every three years to just update it because the industry changes.
1: Cool. Yeah. So I want to get in the nitty gritty now a little bit of what artists can do to break through the noise. So sure. what can artists do? So you, I've heard you say that 60,000 60, tracks are uploaded to Spotify every day. What can yeah. an artist do to break through that noise? What are some things that they can do to help be heard?
0: Yeah. So the number one thing I tell every artist at any stage of their career, no matter if you're just picking up your instrument today and, or if you're 30, 40 years into a music career. Is identify your goals. You can't hit anything if you don't know what you're aiming for. So there are no longer, there's no longer one way to make it in the music industry, like I was taught when I was in music school. There are over a hundred ways to make it in the new music business. And you have to identify what your way is going to be. Um, there's more than a hundred ways. Honestly, there are no two music careers that are structured the same way. If somebody comes to me and says like, all right, I got a new record. What should I do? I was like, I have no idea what you should do. I don't know, A, who you are. I don't know what your strengths and weaknesses are. I don't know what your desires are. Like, do you want to tour? Do you not want a tour? Do you want to get your songs on? Do you want to get your song synced? Do you not? Do you want to focus on streaming? Do you want to focus on are you good at social media? Are you bad at social media? There's so many things that I would need to know first. And it's really what do you want is number one. So I tell all artists before they start Trying and failing at things that people tell them to do because that's what that's what happens is like someone says, "Oh, get on TikTok," and then they're like, "All right, I tried TikTok, I failed at it, I it didn't work for me." (laughs) So then they give up and they're like, "Get on Twitch." Oh, okay, I tried Twitch, it didn't work for me. You like you try and fail at a thousand different things. Oh, upload some YouTube covers or whatever. Oh, okay, book a show. I booked a show, nobody came. Oh, okay. So yeah, you are going to try and fail at everything you do nobody gets it on the first hit but if you know what you're aiming for and you set a goal if your goal is let's uh if your goal is to get a song on a tv show in six months that is doable now Mm -hmm. you would you're going to try and fail a thousand times over the course of the next six months but you're going to keep going because you have that goal whereas if you're just like ah. I'm going to email this one music supervisor and I don't get a response. Oh, I failed. Now I'm giving up and I'm going to try the next thing. Don't give up. You have, you set that goal. Now you can reverse engineer that goal. And the thing that I tell people is it's like your goals need to be smart goals. That's an acronym, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, huh. S-M-A-R, time bound. So time bound. Getting, time bound, T, getting one song on a TV show in six months, is an example of a smart goal? An example of not a smart goal of a dumb goal is... I want to make a living doing music. What does that mean? How are you going to do that? What time frame? What is that? That's not a goal. That's sure. That's a lifelong goal. Okay, whatever. But you need to make it a smart goal, time bound, specific, measurable. How are you going to measure that? How much money over what time period? What does a living mean? If you said in one year from now, I want to make $3,000 a month from music. Okay. That's a smart goal. That's one goal. But now we gotta get more specific about those. Yeah. How are you gonna do it? What are the other goals going to be? Do I wanna do shows? It's like another example of a smart goal. I want to play, I wanna sell out the Echo in eight months. Okay, specific, the Echo, that's a venue. Okay, measurable, 350 tickets. Okay, is it realistic? If you've never played a show before and you have no internet presence, that's not realistic. If you've been playing shows and you've been bringing 150, 200 people and stuff like, that's realistic, team up with a few other artists, Promote the shit out of it, work on it, maybe find a build up, whatever. Like that's realistic and time bound, eight months. Okay. That's a specific goal. The way that you're going to break through is going to be very different from every other artist or every other musician out there in the way that they're going to break through cuz you're a different musician you have different strengths Adam you realize that you can do a podcast and you're a great trumpet player but you also you you have the tenacity and you have the entrepreneurial spirit to be able to and the tech savvy to be able to launch something like this and to do a podcast and to know I'm I can do more than just play some play play notes through a horn yep. like I I can do that And But a lot of others artists I talked to can't do that. And that's okay too. Like the thing is just, we all have various strengths and weaknesses and we all have things that we know we're good at and we know that we're not good at. I know I am not a good recording engineer. Don't sit me down in front of a Pro Tools rig or a console and ask me to engineer a session.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm gonna hire somebody to do that for me. That is not my strength. I don't wanna devote the time and energy and the money it would take to be a good recording engineer. That is a weakness of mine. So I'm not gonna do it. I'm also not a good graphic design artist. I'm not going to try to make design flyers and shit like that because I'm not good at it. And I know that. So I'm going to hire somebody to do that. I like knowing your strengths and weaknesses is so important because, but also you need to know what needs to get done. I know I need, I know that I need to have things designed. So I can't just not focus on design, but I know that I'm not, it's not going to accurately, adequately represent my brand if. I try to design it. I'm not good at that, but I'm going to yeah. hire somebody who can accurately represent it.
1: Yeah. And one of the things you alluded to was like niching down your audience. I've been thinking about this a lot, like being an artist and thinking about who is, who really is my target audience. Yes. Is that something that you guys talk about in terms of niching down, like really getting more specific with what you do and who you are? Maybe mm-hmm. I just read something recently that said, oh, it was in your book, man. It was, a, there was a Rick Rubin quote that you included in your book, how to make in the new B- music business about, yeah. He goes. You release a song. Maybe fifty percent of the people who hear it should like it. Everybody else yeah. should hate it. You no, know, it's like yep. you're, if everybody's oh, that was good. Like that. That's not. What's even the point? So and that's you know, art that's in like, general. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's like becoming Definitely. more yourself. It ignites mm-hmm. a fire in the other side of the people that see themselves in you. How, what are some ways that an artist can start to accomplish that?
0: Yeah, and I love that quote. I'm glad you brought it up. And it is great art is divisive. And don't try to uh, don't try to please and appease everyone, you're going to fail, you need to find your tribe, mm. who are the people that are going to resonate with what you're doing, and ignore the haters. The thing is just like I had a lot when I started to see initial success. When I was in the Twin Cities, and I was starting to make myself known. Haters started to come out of the woodwork. So like this guy, they would like people would they were writing hate articles on me, there was a lot of haters. And I didn't understand it But I also couldn't stop fixating on it. I could literally quote you every word from these hate articles that read But I was selling out shows, like why pay attention to the haters? There's always gonna, if you get haters, you're doing your job right. Because like you're building an audience, you're being, you're undeniable and you find your audience, just ignore the people. And guess what? Your parents might be one of your haters or your biggest supporters. And they might not understand or get what you're doing or your best friend. Breaks my heart, it's really hard for me to reckon with, but one of my best friends from when I was 12 does not like my music doesn't care for my music. <laughs> and but that's okay. He likes totally different kind of music we was still best buds. And it's fine. He still comes to my shows to support or whatever. But it's just, that's not his jam. And that's okay. That's the thing. So it's yes, of course, you want your friends and family to be your cheerleaders. But sometimes they just might not understand you as an artist and might not understand what you're doing. So you have to find the people that do. And that is that's like what we call market research. And it's identifying your audience. I make a whole guide when I'm launching new projects of just who is my target demographic? Like, what, like, how old are they? No. Where do they live? What bars do they go to? Where do they shop? Are they shopping at vintage stores? Or are they shopping at Prada? Where, who are these people? What are they? It's not just like, what other artists do they listen to? That goes, that's part of it. Sure. What kind of music do they like? Obviously, but what beer do they drink? Or do they drink beer? Do they drink wine? Are they sober? What you're like really breaking down this audience to so specific so you can identify who there because then you know how to promote your shows yeah. and know how to find it. if you're going to run ads or you're going to make TikTok videos or you're going to design an aesthetic and a branding for your thing it's you need to know like how are you going to appeal to this audience it's so much more than just the kind of music that you make and that's the hardest thing for a lot of musicians to reckon with it's the, mu- the music is the last thing that matters until people hear it and then it's the only thing that matters mm but how are you gonna get them to hear it? And that's the thing. And it's just, you're not gonna get people to hear it or resonate or build your tribe or really become part of your community. Is if they, someone sends someone your Instagram and like they open the Instagram, it's disjointed images and it's just images of their family or friends. And and it's just like, it doesn't make sense. It's, oh, this isn't the community I want to be a part of. If I'm a fan and looking at this, but it all has to be cohesive. So like a new fan that comes into this world is if you go, if you hear a song on a playlist just, oh, that's interesting. That's cool. I like that do I want to be a fan of this artist or do I just want to like that one song? Because that's a big difference. It's like, we're in the era of musicians, artists that are getting millions of streams on Spotify. that can't sell 50 tickets to their hometown show. Right. And that's because they got on some playlists. Cool. They're making some money from that, but they don't have maybe an identity as an artist. They don't know how to build their tribe. They don't know how to find their audience. And like someone hears that song on a playlist, goes through their Instagram or Google's around for them or whatever and it doesn't make sense. Mm. Shit's all over the place. Their aesthetics not on point. They don't have a story to tell. Their story is not being told either in press or on their own sites and stuff like that. And it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like a community that I want to be a part of or an artist that I care to follow. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll just listen to that song on a playlist. So if that's important to you to build a fan base and an audience, it's not just identifying who they are, but it's identifying who you are as the artist. And that's why artists oftentimes change their birth name or not change their birth names, but create an artist name instead of their birth name. Because they're like, I don't want my, we're all complex human beings. And there's a thousand different things about all of us that we can talk about, but that's not the story that you need to be telling or that you should be telling a thousand different stories it's very confusing a fan doesn't have that kind of time or energy understanding they need to know what you're about within 30 seconds of landing on your instagram or a minute of reading your wikipedia like what are you actually what is the artist about and so i like i create venn diagrams when i make like new projects and it's like all right here's my Ari the person diagram and here's my like Ari the artist because it's harder for me as like a singer songwriter under the same name and people that go by their name it's just like okay you are it's it is your birth name you'd like to think oh this is me the person and i want to be authentic which is like Mm -hmm. what gets thrown around way too much but it's no ari the artist is different from ari the person there's overlap there's definitely that center point and it's not disingenuous to not talk about incessantly my friends when I'm just Ari the artist but it's just that's not Ari the artist that's not what Ari the artist is about Ari the person is about my friends love my friends cool but I don't need to be talking about that or whatever like I'm uh, yeah there's just there's that Venn diagram and it's I love Thai food but like Ari I love Thai food I would like eat Thai food sometimes three four times a week but like Ari, the artist doesn't need to be talking about my incessant love of Ty. That's just not, that's not what my project is about. Like, I don't want you coming in and just seeing photos of Mon Curry on my profile. That's right. not necessary.
1: So you're talking about creating a story around you as an artist, maybe even every individual release you make, creating some kind of story around that. I've been thinking about this a lot. I, from, from the stage perspective, I always emphasize with people who come up under me as students that you need to be able to talk about your music when you're on stage, especially i play in a lot of creative music settings. And so there aren't lyrics somebody can listen to. We're talking about like instrumental music. So then what's the story behind the music? What can somebody listen for in the music, right? (laughs) On stage, I'm really good at that. I'm not sure I'm as good at that when it comes to releasing my albums. And so how like how important it is it for an artist to to have a story around album releases that maybe is one sentence, right? Like maybe it's something that's mm-hmm. bam, this is what it is. Like, how important is that for artists to do?
0: It's massively important. I love that you talk about how when you're on stage, it's important to tell the stories behind the music, especially if you're playing jazz, especially if you're playing instrumental music or don't have lyrics. And like I love jazz, but If I am listening to new works from an artist on stage, songs I don't recognize or have any connection to, and I'm going to tell you, I'm going to have a wildly different experience if they say, if they introduce the song saying this song is about the January 6th insurrection versus if they just play the song. I'm going to be now transported there. And every moment in that song was like, holy shit, I'm going to have those visceral feelings that I felt watching that go down versus just sitting there listening to the music, which is, oh, cool. This is like interesting, whatever. Yeah. That was a nice solo. It's the same yeah. thing that, like, when you're releasing an album, it's just tell the story around the album. Like, people, as much as we'd like to think that people have hours upon hours to sit silently in a dark room and listen to your album nobody's doing that so you have to give them a reason to do that or not even do that but just understand what's doing so yes tell the story behind each song i always say to have the best impact especially these this day and age release singles don't release an album unless there's a reason to release an album Hmm. if you want to release an album that's fine but like preempt that with singles that helps tell the story and focus on each individual song when you release the song you tell that story around the song and now you help people resonate with each song and then when the album comes out you can tell the story around the album and it should all connect to you as an artist too so it's like the story that you tell of who you are as an artist right now it's not gonna be the same story for the rest of your career I tell the story about like when Bon Iver came out Everyone was like oh that's the artist." from the North woods of Wisconsin that like recorded his album in the Northern woods in a cabin in the winter time. That's that artist. Yeah. That was a story. Everybody knew when you put on the record and you listen to like, Oh, it sounds the Northern woods of Wisconsin in the cabin. And this, it like all made sense. And then, but that's not still the story that people are telling about Bon Iver. Now he's the Grammy winner, Bon Iver. Now he's like tours with a 15 piece orchestra. That's not the same. Your story can evolve and change but it should connect somehow to the album and the state that you're in right now where the current position is. So yes, and it's not just a, not just a story in text. It's not just like a w- story in the words. It's also a story in visuals. Like mm. you need to tell that story visually. Like we live in a visual environment right now yeah. with Instagram and TikTok and YouTube and everything on the internet is visual. How are you going to tell your story visually? Same thing when you stand on stage, like you think about what you're going to wear. Whether you wear, like, you're wearing, what is that hat? Boo- uh, what is that? Mm-hmm. Unfinished business. Oh, cool. I thought it was like Bruins for a second. That's Unfinished cool. business. That's saying a story. Yeah, that makes sense. I love the hat. I you're wear, If you wear, let's say, a Dodgers hat when you go on stage, I live in LA, that's yeah. going to say something completely different about you and who you are and what you're about versus if you go on stage and you're wearing cargo shorts and flip-flops and a Hawaiian shirt. That's a very different image to me. It says a very different story to me. And I'm going to remember visually what your show was about. I may not remember musically what the show was about, but I'm damn well going to remember what you wore. And then Mm -hmm. like going back to what you said on stage, like just as a person, I still people, I still have people come up to me after my shows, recounting something that I said on stage from years prior. I don't remember saying it, but like, they remember what the stories that you tell more than they remember the songs that you play, but they remember how you made them feel. Yep. And how are you going to get them to feel something, not just from the music? You're going to set up that song, like you said, with a story. You're going to help them have that emotional, visceral reaction. But also when you release a song, it's the same thing. How are you going to help them have that emotional, visceral reaction? And it's going to be based on the story that you tell around the song. And then when they tell their friends, they need something to tell their friends. You can't just put on a song and be like, listen to the song. Nobody does that. They're like, listen to the song. Oh, it's, from, it's about this artist. He recorded the album in the Northern woods of Wisconsin. It's incredible. He's, you know, he's in a bunch of bands, blah, blah, blah. You have a story to tell. You have something, you have a one sentence thing to tell your friends. So what's that one sentence going to be about your new single or about your new album or about you as the artist? what's your sentence?
1: So you mentioned uh, singles versus albums. And one of the other advantages of releasing singles, right, is that you can pitch all those to Spotify playlists individually. I think when you release an album, you can pitch one, maybe. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So that's one of the other (laughs) advantages of releasing singles is like, hey, you can actually maybe get your single heard. Do you have any particular way that you handle pitching Spotify playlists when you're uploading singles?
0: Yeah. And quick plug, I interviewed Spotify for the new music business podcast, my podcast, and go listen to that episode. And we dig into all about Spotify pitching, stuff like that. But here's the thing. Spotify has said this publicly. They said it to me. They said it many times. If you want to play the Spotify game, if you want to be successful on Spotify, here's what they want consistency danielek the ceo of spotify got a lot of backlash a few years ago when he's just you can't release music every three years like you once could and people are like artists are like how dare you tell me as an artist how to release how to make my own art
1: no guess what
0: oh yeah everyone remembers that guess (laughs) what he didn't tell you how to make your art you make your art however you fucking want to make your art he told you if you want to be successful on spotify here's what we want so that's up to you. You can make your art however you want, and still you can make your art however you want, even if you're successful on Spotify. He just said if you want to be successful at Spotify, which you don't have to be if you don't want to be, I know many successful artists who do not have Spotify numbers to speak up and they're living their best lives and they're a career artists and they're doing just fine. But if you want to be successful on Spotify, they've given you the playbook. Just release music consistently every four to six weeks, release songs. Now, You can record an album every three years if you want, but just don't roll it out as an album like you once did. Things, times have changed. If you want to record music every three years, great. That's how you want to make your art beautiful. Make your art however you want to make your art. And if you want to really, if you want to be successful with Spotify, then don't release those 12 songs as a clump on one day every three years, spread them out. Every four to six weeks, put out a new single. And then because now, you get an opportunity to pitch that song to the Spotify editors every single time. Mm-hmm. If you release an album, like you get to pitch one song per release. So an album is one release. You got 12 songs in that album. You get one, one song, one pitch. Yep. But if you have 12 singles, you get 12 shots on goal, mm. 12 opportunities to pitch and they might not pay attention the first four times But if they're like, oh, here's this song. This is an artist that is releasing music consistently. This is a prolific artist. Okay, let's pay attention now. They're going to start to see things bubbling up a little bit. It doesn't need to be like, oh, do they get millions of streams? It's just the first song they release. And then a month later, they release another song. And it's a snowball effect. More people are listening. They track all the analytics, everything that comes in. So If you're sending people to your Spotify profile and a bunch of people are jumping in and listening directly from your profile, that sends some... Triggers to Spotify. If you release another single, and you get you're getting a bunch of people listening, saving the song, not skipping it, adding it to their own personal playlists, yep. listening again, sharing it. These are all signals that Spotify is getting. Then algorithmically, they'd be like, you know what? Let's try your song on Discover Weekly. Okay, now it's on Discover Weekly. How are how are as a cold audience not your fans responding to it? Yeah. Are they saving it? Are they saving it to their playlists? Are they skipping it? Are they see all these signals now? And it takes time, all these releases, for these signals to happen. So that's why you might need four or five releases before all the signals are triggering Spotify. And then for the editors, once they get a song submitted to them through the Spotify for Artists backend editorial pitch tool. For them to be like, okay, now we're going to actually pay attention to this and actually listen to it and actually place it on an editorial playlist. That's how the Spotify game is played. If you want to play it, once again, you don't have to play it. But if you want to play it, they've told you how to play the game.
1: Cool. Cool. So go listen to the new music business podcast, that episode with Spotify. Hey, I want to talk a little bit about TikTok because I attended your TikTok webinar the other day, and you talked about how videos go viral on TikTok. And you talked about how it's more important for other people to use your song in their videos than it is for you to have millions and millions of views on your own video. Can you talk a little bit about that distinction?
0: Yeah. And this this is what makes TikTok so interesting and special and why I call TikTok the most important promotional tool that artists have free promotional tool that artists have at their disposal right now in the age of the industry that we're in right now. We've never had a social media platform in the history of social media uh, for musicians and for artists like we do with TikTok. It is a very powerful tool and it is no longer this, the social media platform for dancing teenagers. Sure. There's still dancing teenagers on there, but that is not, that is a misnomer that is if if that's what you still think tiktok is only about you're completely missing the boat there are a billion people on tiktok and they're not all dancing teenagers so like you got to get past that Uh, but yes the distinction is and why this is so powerful for music is i think the most recent stat is like everyone with a tiktok account there's 85 i got to check these numbers but it's around 85 percent of everyone with a tiktok account has made at least one video. That means it's not just lean back consumers. These are actual creators. Like people are actually making their own videos and posting them on TikTok. Unlike YouTube, where the vast majority of YouTube users are not YouTube creators. They're not creating YouTube videos. They're going on YouTube and just watching videos. TikTok is very different. Everyone is creating videos on TikTok. So the thing is it's like, It's not about you posting a video and saying, Oh, look, I got 50,000 views on my video. Cool. That's great. That's awesome. That's going to bring in some followers and fans and some recognition to the song if you use that song in that video. What's more, not impressive, what moves the needle more on TikTok is if 500 people use your song in their video, that could be getting, that could generate hundreds of millions of. Views, hundreds of thousands of views, hundreds of, of views, because all these 500, maybe one of those 500 people did get 10,000. Maybe the other one got 1,000. Maybe the other one got 300,000 views. Right. Maybe the other one got 10,000. And now your song is being spread and it also inspires other people to use your song in their videos. And then you can actually create trends. Trends are a big thing on TikTok. It's just there's yes initially there were dancing trends but there's so many different trends like a cool trend that i'm seeing right now is the open verse challenge trend which is basically yeah i play a song and instead of singing my second verse i'm just going to play the instrumental for it and be like hey you do you make up a verse for it and there's a tiktok tool called the duet tool and now the trend around this song is people are making their own verses for my song and Sometimes that's thousands of people are just making up their own verses. So it's like still using your song right. in their post and their video. They're tweaking it a little bit, adding their own version to their own remix. But there's so many different other kinds of trends that people are doing and using filters and effects. Sometimes there's an effect within TikTok that people use with one song, and that triggers the effect that song. And so you start to see the same effect with that same song over and over again. Every time somebody hears this song on TikTok, what do they do? They jump over to Spotify and they listen to that song. So I have now seen a direct correlation between songs trending. And this is not just me. I shouldn't say I have only seen it. like everyone in the fucking industry has seen this, especially every major label, because they're signing every single artist that right. has a song go viral or mildly viral on TikTok right now, because it's like it's if a song goes viral on TikTok, or even catches a little bit, you see an instant immediate bump on Spotify, which we like, you didn't see like that before. If a song went viral on YouTube, it didn't necessarily translate to Spotify streams, which it does now on TikTok, and it translates directly. And for a while, we're running ads on Instagram. And that's still a marketing, like an important marketing tool in the marketing arsenal of where you're going to spend your ad dollars is like, Running ads on Instagram, and that that brings people over to Spotify and whatnot, and still works, but costs money, a lot of money. TikTok's free. And the beautiful thing about TikTok is, unlike Instagram, is you don't have to worry about losing followers if you post something dumb or something off-brand on TikTok. Whereas on Instagram, your followers are the ones who are really seeing your posts. And if you post something that isn't really necessarily in line with what they're there to follow you for they're going to unfollow you on Instagram. That's not the case on TikTok. Yeah. If you post something on TikTok that doesn't resonate, nobody sees it. That's yeah. what happens on TikTok. Whereas if you post something that does resonate, you're getting hundreds of thousands of people potentially seeing this thing, this video, and it's not just confined to your followers. That's why it's such a powerful tool. The algorithm. I say the most powerful gatekeeper in music right now is not a person. It's the TikTok algorithm.
1: Yep. Yep. Cool, man. That's awesome. I'm wondering if you have seen any, so I, in some of the videos you showed in your webinar, there was like a moment, a drop moment in the song that allowed because TikTok has a lot of features where people show like before they got dressed up after they got dressed up, yes. things like that. I uh, love that
0: the glow up trend. Yeah. The glow up <laughs> There's trend. There's a name for it. you know. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. Crazy. Yeah.
1: So, you know, I wonder if you've noticed anything that any connective tissue between the songs that end up becoming trending songs that people end up using in these types of videos. Is there always a drop moment in the song? Is there there like, are there musical characteristics that you've noticed that are consistent?
0: That's a really great question. I think the short answer is no, is that there I've seen songs of every genre. Um, I've seen ballads. I've seen rock songs. I've seen funk. I've seen, I've seen hip hop, obviously, folk, everything. I've seen every j- songs of every genre go viral and catch. Now, the connective tissue isn't necessarily musical, as it is emotional, or or it. it usually, there is a moment of change, and they focus on that moment of change. All there right. can be a moment of change in an acoustic finger picking song. There can be a moment of change, obviously, in an EDM song where there's the drop or a hip hop song or whatever, or even a ballad. But like a lot of people jump on that moment of change. And so it's, or even in lyrically, you can set up something with one lyric and then boom, you drop the bomb with the next lyric. Yeah. yeah. And so people latch onto that. It's just, it's the setup. And the return. It's it's the setup and the release. Which and feels what is similar
1: it? to sync license, like how you might write a sync yeah. licensing song, right? Something that has a moment. It's like, before you had this kind of serial, after you had this kind of serial, boom,
0: we're yeah. exactly. No, exactly. And with sync, you have a little bit longer to capture. Like famously, you're exactly right. Movie trailers, even. They take songs that have, all these different moments and movements within a song because they're trying to convey a two hour movie in two and a half minutes. And so you have to go through that same emotional roller coaster that they want you to go through that two hour movie in two and a half minutes for the trailer. So they choose these songs that have these high highs and low lows and that are very dynamic. Now you have to be just as dynamic in 30 seconds now on TikTok. And what is the moment in your song? Now, I think everybody has a moment virtually in most songs that can work. Now, getting to your point of just like, is it a genre thing? It's not necessarily a genre, but there are, or is it a song, certain songs work better than others? Yes. Certain songs do work better than others, not necessarily confined to genre, but like it is, which of your songs, if you're thinking about what song do I want to try on TikTok or whatever, it's finding that moment of change. Where is that shift moment happening? Where's the dynamic moment, the most dynamic moment of your song that you can then create a trend for. And what is this trend? Like you referenced the glow up trend, which is the one where these girls in early 2021, when Olivia Rodrigo's driver's license song came out, the glow up trend was basically they started, they were lip singing along to the song and they were just looked like they just woke up. And then the drop happens or you like the shift that emotional shift and yep. it, it hits into the chorus. It was just like, the, it was basically the transition from the pre-course to the chorus and the chorus is big and Epic. And the pre-course is this quieter, nice setup to it. And then it blasts in the chorus. And these girls, what that happens at that moment of change that shift is they fall backwards on a bed and through the magic of video editing that everybody can do on their phone right now on TikTok, yep. they're now glowed up, full done makeup, in a, in, in a gown or a dress, or it looks like now they're going out, going to prom. And it's like that, that, as the emotional change happens in the music, they are now showcasing that emotional change visually, and that right. was a trend. So we are seeing thousands and thousands of girls make videos like that, that own, their own version of this glow-up trend, which is basically the exact same thing, exact same moment of the song. Where they start lip singing these exact same moment of song, they fall backwards on the bed at the exact same moment and they transition magically into a gown and makeup at the exact same moment of the song, that 30 second moment of the song. So, what is the moment of your song that you're going to use that you're going to have that magical transitional moment? And what's the trend going to be? Now, Olivia Rodrigo didn't create that trend, one of the fans did, it and it caught on. Yeah. Um, but there are agencies right now out there like, flight house like the guys that are teaching this tiktok for musicians course that actually create these trends they work with the labels they work with the artists they work with managers on crafting trends it's awesome on crafting trends around their around these songs and you can do this if you want and the thing is the biggest takeaway and the thing to not forget quantity over quality wouldn't say that and anything else in in our music or anything before but you want to be successful on tiktok you just keep pumping things out it's like buying a lottery ticket you don't know which one is going to hit and i had ty veritas on the new music business podcast and i'm sorry i had his ty veritas manager on the new Music business podcast and he was discussing how ty uh, became successful, and and you may not recognize the name Ty Veritas, but you'll all know his song AOK. Mm-hmm. A-O, AOK, okay I don't know, baby, A-O, A-O. So that song went crazy viral. But the thing is, every song that Ty released, he made fifty to hundred TikTok videos using that using his song. Wow! And he released maybe three or four songs before AOK, where he was doing that, making yeah. fifty to hundred videos. Per song, around the song. Now, that's not fifty to one hundred music videos; they're little TikTok videos. But he was experimenting and seeing, oh, people resonate when I do something like this versus that. He didn't know which video was going to pop off or which one was going to inspire other people to use their his song in their video. So he added the song to every video he did.
1: Wow, cool, man! That's an interesting idea. I just released a single. Something different than I usually do where I'm like singing, stacking a bunch of vocals, stacking horns and stuff kind of stuff. Now I'm like, I got to make a hundred TikTok
0: videos. <laughs> if you want, again, if it's part of your goals of what you think, you know, is what you would like to see have happened. But the thing is like, we have TikTok at our disposal right now. If You want to see some streaming success and you don't have a large marketing budget to run ads and whatnot, that can be a way that you can gain traction.
1: So if somebody wanted to take some of the courses that you offer at Arise Take Academy, how should they get started?
0: Yeah. So what you can do is, here's what we'll do. I'll give you, because I'd love to know that people are coming from listening to the show. And because y'all sat through this whole thing, listening to it, I'm going to, I'll hook your audience up if you want with a 10% off coupon code, just use the code GigBoss that then they'll know oh we came from the show from adam use gig you get 10 percent off and then why don't you adam you could link link to the site so everybody knows where to go in the show notes or something like that then that'll just be easy for them to find it
1: perfect we'll link the site in the show notes perfect awesome thank you so much for listening to my conversation with ari herstand author of how to make it in the new music business as Ari said, click on that link below in the description to check out Ari's Take Academy. Enter Gig Boss, G-I-G-B-O-S-S, when you check out to get 10% off. You can also join our Facebook group, Gig Boss Podcast. It's a community of people trying to figure out how to navigate this crazy music economy. We strike up all kinds of fun conversations every week, and we discuss them in the comment sections of the posts. Come by, hang out. We also have an app, an organizational tool for freelance musicians, for band leaders. It's called Gig Boss. It's free, it's on iOS and Android. We're adding features every month. Link is in the description to check that out as well. Thank you so much. I can't tell you how appreciative I am of all of you that are listening. I can see my numbers going up, and it's super fun and exciting to know that this is starting to reach more people. Please help us spread the word. If you're really digging the show, you can leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and write a little review if you write a little review that helps it show up in other people's feeds. Thank you so much.